T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I am so curious about a brand new book you may have heard about. This new book is entitled, His Name is George Floyd, One Man's Life and the Struggle for Racial Justice. Now, the authors are Robert Samuels and Toulouse Olorunipu. And uh, they are joining us tonight on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline to hear about uh, or to tell us more about the journey of writing this book. Welcome, Robert, um, as well as Toulouse. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. All right, Toulouse, did I get your last name? Yeah, did I get your last name right? Uh, It's close. The last syllable is uh, with an A, so it's Olorunipa. Ah, thank you so much. Oloro, I'll get it right, I promise, before the end of this interview. (laughs) I am very excited to have you guys join us because we know that um, with this book coming out, there's going to be a whole nother interest all over again in what uh, transpired on May 25th of 2020. Tell me about the journey for both of you uh, in writing this book, because I assume it was truly a, a journey. Let's start with you, Robert. Well, we started in the summer of 2020, a little bit after George Floyd was murdered. And it started with a project. We just wanted to figure out George Floyd's life and connect it to the larger themes of systemic racism. So I spent a lot of time in Minneapolis. And I told people that I didn't want to hear about his death so much as I wanted to hear about his life, because I wanted to understand his soul and who he was with the hope that if we understood who George Floyd was and how he was treated throughout his life, we might get a better understanding of who we are as a society and how we could build a better life. Toulouse, do you feel the same? Uh, Totally, yes. We we embarked on this project alongside uh, a number of our colleagues. The Washington Post really invested quite a bit in trying to make sure we got this story right, not only George Floyd's story in Houston, where he grew up, but also his experience in Minneapolis. And we had reporters on the ground covering the protests, covering uh, Floyd's own experience over the last three years of his life when he was in Minneapolis and really digging deep. Robert was a big part of that, uh, talking to a lot of people who were close to Floyd, from the Salvation Army to the people he spent time with at our turning point, the rehab uh mission and program that he was a part of. And, you know, in talking with so many people, it was really important for us to understand Floyd's soul, his essence, his ambitions, and also the systems that he tried to navigate, both from the beginning of his life to the final moments and months of his life, where he was uh, struggling and trying to figure out how to make it through the pandemic. 
Yeah, and you write about that in the book. And I'm just curious to know, um, how did you begin to voice what happened to George Floyd on that fateful day? Here's the thing. We heard so many stories initially, what was happening, even though we were watching it, right? We were watching those nine minutes and what was it, 29 seconds. And it was really quite remarkable that the words that people would say, they would say, oh, he died. Okay, we could say that he died, but can we just tell the truth and say he was murdered? So tell me um, how difficult that was for you to deal with, or was it not a challenge at all? Well, we're I mean, a it journalist was... and... Go for it, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there. And just, uh, we're, we're super eager for us to talk about this, so sometimes we do that. But we're, um, we're journalists, and our commitment is to the truth, is to empathy, is to accuracy, is to telling the full story. And we knew we needed to tell... George Floyd's full story, including those final moments of his life, which uh, happened to be the, the, the time when he was murdered by the Minneapolis Police Department um, in the form of Derek Chauvin. And we, it was important for us to show that Derek Chauvin was operating within a system himself. Yes, he was an officer that has now been convicted of murdering someone, but he had learned the skills and the tactics that he used within his police department. And it was not uncommon for him, for someone with a badge like he had to use the tactics that he used and he had been trained in some of those tactics, even though uh, later it was found that he had used them abusively. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we, we included the full context and show that there are other people who are also uh, suffering and who have struggled because of the way uh, the police department that trained Derek Chauvin has behaved in, in uh, that part of the, the, the community. Um, and it was important for us to show that, Floyd's death was, was heinous, but it also stems from uh, a broader training and a broader uh, effort by the police department that also needed to be scrutinized. Many in the black community have made comments about uh, George Floyd uh, having um, this life of struggle, um, but also that he struggled for racial justice. Tell me what you've learned about those two. That seems like a dichotomy to me, but tell me what you've learned. Well, George Floyd came to Minneapolis because he wanted to build a better life for himself. He knew that where he was in Houston, Texas, there was very little chance for him to get a job because of his criminal record. And there was a little, very little chance for him to receive rehabilitation services because he could not secure insurance. And what he found in Minneapolis was a community that largely supported him. Uh, you know, his friends from, his friends from Minnesota, the people who met at the Salvation Army. Uh, but the other truth about it was that those struggles came in with the struggles of being a black man living in the United States. We have a, we spoke with Valerie Castile, uh, Philando Castile's mother in the course mm -hmm. of recording this story. And she told me about, meeting George Floyd at an event for the homeless and how he hugged her and how he put so much love on her. And when you talk to friends who had known Floyd at that time, uh, they'd say how much Philando Castile's death haunted him and how much it made him fear the police much like he did in Houston. And so he was struggling with this, but he also maintained a spirit of optimism about himself that somehow he'd be able to overcome and get past all those struggles. And I think you see that spirit 
uh, after he was murdered with so many of the people in Minneapolis who had taken up his cause and had wanted the world to know that it's not George Floyd. There had been so many people who had been killed by the police under dubious practices. You know, one of the things we've talked about many times here on WCCO Radio is that um, so many black mothers and black fathers um, have that conversation with their children. You know, when you walk out and you see a police officer, don't do this, don't do that. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard about that. And I remember, uh, I believe it was George Floyd's brother was on the stand talking about, you know, we had that conversation. We knew they taught their children that conversation. Um, Was any of that included in the book as well? Yes, we take readers back to the 1980s in Houston, Texas, where George Floyd is living in the CUNY Homes housing projects with his brothers and with his mother, who tried to train her children, including Floyd, in the experience of being a black boy in America. She said, you were born with two strikes because of who you are, and because of how you were born, and the world is going to look at you that way. The police are going to look at you that way. You're going to be scrutinized. You can't make any mistakes because if you do, they will be amplified, they will be seized upon, and you will have to figure out how to get yourself out of it on your own. You won't have grace. Uh, And she was very blatant and blunt in telling her children uh, that they need to to fly right because anything that they did wrong would be seized upon. They wouldn't get second chances very often. Uh, So that was a a common refrain and a common understanding that Floyd got growing up, in part because her mother knew, having grown up in the sharecropping South and during the era of Jim Crow, that it would be a very regretful thing if any of her children fell into the the grasp of of a system um, that didn't care for people that look like them. And that was something that George Floyd knew very intimately, and that's why he was so afraid of the police. You know, um, he not only was he afraid, but the, he also knew certain tactics to use. Um, we realized that he was talking to Chauvin a lot, you know, saying, please, please, I cannot breathe. You know, please, uh, can you just let me up? Or, you know, there were certain things that he was saying. And I'm just wondering, did you have to recount everything that you knew about this death, about this murder um, of George Floyd? And if so, was it difficult to figure out where to put it? <laughs> because it's it's one of those stories we will never forget. I don't think the great state of Minnesota or the rest of the world will forget George Floyd and what happened on that day. So tell me what yeah. that was like trying to pull those pieces together in the book. Well, not only did we have to watch the video countless numbers of times, which I know, you know, is very hard, but we also wanted to make sure that people had the proper perspective and a deepened understanding of what they were seeing. So we didn't just watch the video. We went and we talked to some eyewitnesses who were there. You know, we spoke with the people who came to Cup Foods with George Floyd because we had questions about why he was there that day. We, no one really knew. And so when you see that in the book, we and we also, sorry to go back, we also did a look at the history of the use of that technique, what's called the maximum restraint technique, maximal restraint technique, so that readers have a deeper understanding of the injustice that was done that day and the impact that it had on people. But we also wanted readers to know, and I think this is really important, that the battle for George Floyd to breathe 
started long before he had ever met Derek Chauvin. And that battle started centuries ago when land was stolen from his ancestors before they could make one intergenerational transfer for wealth. That, that struggle started happening in the school system that was crumbling because people left white people left that school system because they didn't want their kids intermingling with black kids and the school system that told them focus on sports instead of focusing on calculus that system is the same system that when george floyd was broken did not have the research or the interest in funding the research to create tools that could help heal specifically a black man like him and so what we want readers to go through and what we really want them to see is that if you are concerned about the murder of George Floyd, you also should pay attention to the lives of black boys and black girls who are still having those same struggles that George Floyd had. I am terrified for my grandchildren. You know, I have one grandson and two granddaughters, and I'm absolutely terrified for their future. And at the same time, I'm still willing to fight. You know, I keep saying to myself, it doesn't matter what you're feeling, Jerlyn. Just let it go and fight. Uh, and that's not an easy thing uh, for me to do, but I have to do it. Um, you guys were mentioned in um, a Washington Post article, and it talks about um, this moving portrait of George Floyd and his struggles and his legacy. And, of course, we all remember, and I think we do, um, that you know, getting to know his six-year-old daughter, Gianna, uh, whose mother was a former girlfriend from Houston named Roxy Daniel Washington, I believe. And it's interesting, at the end of this quote in this article, and it talks about the two of you as well, it says, you know, she proudly said, my daddy changed the world. Do you believe that he changed the world? And if so, how long do you think that change will last? The world is definitely different now than it was on May 25th, 2020, before George Floyd encountered Derek Chauvin. Now it's different in a number of different ways, but I do think that the conversation that we're even having this evening about things like systemic racism, institutional barriers, there are more people willing to acknowledge that conversation than there, than there were before Floyd died. And there's an understanding that a lot of the things that black people have talked about for years actually are true. Those things have happened. And I think Floyd's death made that reality real for a lot of people who were not willing to acknowledge that before. Now, we've also seen a backlash. We have seen people upset at the fact that these conversations are happening and that these things are being taught in schools and the country's full history is now being acknowledged. And that is also part of the legacy of what happens in America, where progress happens in fits and starts. You have backlash. You have things like what happened in Buffalo. And so the world is changed. It has moved, it has shifted, but it's an ongoing living history that we're going through and we're all experiencing it and trying to go through it together. We don't have too much time left, but I do want to address some of the talking points from the book. I know that the two of you had access to the private records of George Floyd, including his previously unreported diary entries, rap lyrics, poems, text messages, cell phone videos, love letters, and more. Gathering all of that information, what part of George Floyd became different to you in your sight, in your understanding of who he was? I'll say two quick things. The first thing is that 
George Floyd was an introspective person. He thought about his position in life. He thought about things he could do differently so he could help have a better future, not just for himself, but for the rest of his family. The second thing that came out, Geraldine, is his incredible persistence that even though he had grown up in a system that was unfair, and even though he had made some mistakes, which he acknowledged, he never stopped believing that in this country, a brighter future could be ahead for him and for others, others around him. And I think that is the spirit in which people started to take up his cause, um, whether or not they knew him. But I hope that readers, you know, don't just simply take away the tragedy of it all and the persistent force of systemic racism in the country. When we, when folks engage with the book, I hope they also see the beauty and the persistence of the Black experience in this country. Mm. If there was one last thing, Toulouse, you would want people to know and really pay attention to in the book, what would it be? Uh, I think it would be the fact that George Floyd spent so much time really trying and really, as Robert said, believing in the American experience. He didn't give up on this country. His family didn't give up on this country even after they had their land seized and taken away from them. And there were so many forms of injustice that they faced. And I think that is part of the Black experience. It's part of what you talked about when you talked about how you fear for your grandchildren, but you still get up and fight every day to make sure that this country is a better place. That's something that we wanted people to take away from this book. We titled the final chapter of the book, American Hope, because that is what is powering the dreams and the persistence of black Americans across the country. If we didn't have that level of hope, we would not have been able to maintain our our level of persistence in this country. So I hope people will pick up the book and not think of it as just an exercise in black pain, but also know that it's a symbol of the black perseverance that has powered this country for generations. Is the book out right now available to everyone? Absolutely. Uh, It's in bookstores everywhere. The title of the book is His Name is George Floyd, One Man's Life and the Struggle for Racial Justice. Authors Robert Samuels and Toulouse Olorouni. Olorunipa, forgive me, um, joined us tonight on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. I am so grateful that both of you joined us tonight. I will have difficulty um, sleeping tonight, but I am so grateful that I had a chance to learn what you learned about George Floyd. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. All right, take care. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.